0: Before we get into uh, Road Pod, I'd like to apologize for the quality of the audio. We're recording over cell phones uh, into uh, my studio here at home, and I'm still trying to figure out the best way to engineer the cell phone recordings to make them sound better. And as we move along, uh, it'll get better. Thanks for your patience and bearing with us. Hello, and welcome to the Road Pod MedTech Monday. Um, I think you'd all agree with me that uh, the crazy situation right now with coronavirus and everything we're going through with our healthcare system clearly illustrates the need for innovation, the need for people to keep moving forward and try and figure this mess out. By the mess, I mean an unsustainable healthcare system, a healthcare system that's not able to respond to the needs of its society. And that's what we have now. So it's very important to keep looking at innovation, to keep looking at people who are endeavoring to start enterprises, which will make an impact. And that's what MedTech Monday brings to you. And the New England Medical Innovation Center, along with its partners up in Providence at Brown University, are working hard to make sure that people keep thinking about the future. Because it's very, very easy to get locked down into the present, but we have to think about the future. Welcome to MedTech Monday. Welcome to the Road Pod.
1: Hello, you're listening to MedTech Monday on the Road Pod. I'm your host, Danielle Sturm, and today we're going to be talking with three guests. Um, one you'll meet very shortly, and the two others are um, early stage entrepreneurs and researchers out of Lifespan Health System in Brown University. My first guest is Gabby Strenieri, and Gabby is on today to represent Advanced ETR. Um, and she's going to be sharing the resources her organization offers for researchers and early stage entrepreneurs um, looking to translate their research. And to help introduce our guests, Sean Monahan and Yangwon Lee, who took part in the planning pitch deck and business plan immersion program that was put on by a partnership through Advanced CTR and NEMIC. Um, so I'd love to introduce Gabby Stranieri, um, who's representing Advanced CTR.
2: Hi, Danielle. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here.
1: Um, how are you? And um, can you also introduce Advanced CTR for us?
2: Absolutely, yes. Uh, holding up amid the craziness, thank you. <laughs> As a little bit about Advanced CTR and my role. So I'm the communications manager for Advanced CTR. Uh, we are a statewide uh, program for clinical and translational research. That's what our name stands for, Advanced Clinical and Translational Research. We are based at Brown University, but we are partners with URI, Care New England, Lifespan, Providence VA, and the Rhode Island Quality Institute, and our name is exactly what we do. We aim to advance clinical and translational research in Rhode Island, so working with uh, research investigators and communities to, to do just that.
1: Can you tell us a bit about um, some of the resources and um, services you
2: guys offer? Absolutely. So... We are, a, uh, we are an IDEA CTR award from the National Institute of General Medical Sciences, which is one of the institutes from the NIH. So, the, that's important because what that means is that we have all of these resources that are specifically for uh, clinical and translational researchers in Rhode Island. Uh, the, the goal is for us to use our research resources to build up that research capacity. Fuel collaborations across institutions and really help investigators, specifically early career investigators, get where they need to be and advance their their research. Um, whether that means pursuing opportunities in entrepreneurship or tackling uh, the state's leading health priorities and ultimately improving health in our state. So we have a broad charter, and um, one of the some of the things that investigators can leverage through us are um, research services. So services for biomedical informatics, biostatistics, and clinical research. We have faculty all across the state who uh, we can, we can uh, link investigators up with and to help them with these with whatever they need within these topic areas. We also offer awards and professional uh, development opportunities.
1: Awesome. And I also see you have um, funding opportunities. Can you tell us a bit about that as well? Yes,
2: yes, absolutely. So we offer annual funding opportunities. Our two biggest programs are our pilot projects programs and our mentored research awards. The, <laughs> the pilot projects program is very flexible. It can be for either a single PI or multi-PIs. We do encourage uh, teams you know, to apl- that apply to be cross-institutional, cross-disciplinary, really getting at that translational uh, you know, need and that that interdisciplinary focus of our award, um, but the but the the pilot project has a broad scope. We accept applications on a variety of topic areas across the translational and the clinical spectrum. So we funded a variety of awards, um, whether those are community engagement projects or you know a surgeon and a, and a bench scientist uh, working together. You know, we're looking at something in the body, um, or using computational skills and computational methods and big data sets to tackle, um, you know, some of our state's uh, health health issues and, and find ways to make the system more efficient. We have funded a variety of projects under the pilot pilot projects. Um, And then we also have our Mentored Research Awards, which mirrors an NIHK application uh, or an NIHK award, and basically it provides two years of uh, mentoring and uh, protected time for junior investigators to um, basically be able to advance their research and ultimately launch a successful independent research uh, career, uh, whether that's transitioning to a proper NIHK or some other mechanism that's really focused on career development. Yeah, those are
1: some um, great resources, but who who exactly can utilize your services and resources?
2: Sure, that's a good question. Um, The short answer is that any faculty member at a degree-granting institution in Rhode Island is eligible to utilize our services, apply for our awards, and take advantage of the resources that we have. Um, We do have those five partner institutions I mentioned, so that would be Brown, URI, Care New England, Lifespan, and the Providence VA Medical Center. Rhode Island Quality Institute is also a partner of ours. They manage the state's current care health uh, Health information exchange. Um, they obviously don't have any faculty there, but through them, we are able to help allow faculty to leverage that HIE. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that those faculty at those institutions comprise our primary audience. However, there are, there are faculty at other colleges and universities in the state that utilize our services and that have applied for our awards, um, and have collaborated with other investigators on projects through us. So we encourage um, all faculty across the state to take advantage of what we have to offer.
1: Mm -hmm. So um, I'd love to introduce the program we put on together. Um, So in the May of 2019, um, we teamed up to bring early stage Rhode Island academic entrepreneurs, a one-on-one coaching program to teach them the various components of looking at the research in the really early stage and translating it into an eventual business and with a business plan um, and a pitch deck. And we call it the planning pitch deck and immersion program. Um, we ended up having two academic entrepreneurs, Sean Monahan and Yongwon won Lee, participate in the program this year. Um, And what we really focused on was helping them look at the research from a business point of view and then navigate strategic decisions to um, hone their business plans down so when they are finished researching, um, they're ready to go and have a business plan and really commercialize their technology. They got to meet one-on-one with NEMIC staff and advisors to work on each vertical in this process um, over the past couple months. And I wanted to ask you, what was really the need for your uh, from your community to put a program like this
2: on. Yeah, so we know that um, there is an appetite for entrepreneurship in Rhode Island. Rhode Island is uniquely poised between New York and Boston. It has so many people here who are, you know, ambitious, highly educated. They're real go-getters, and they care about the needs, the health needs of our state, and they want to be able to uh, tackle these challenges and find innovative solutions. So. In talking with some of the faculty at Lifespan or Brown or Care New England, all of the the hospitals and the universities in the state that we work with, we realized that there really was a hunger for some of these clinicians and academic researchers to find ways to um, translate, translate the technologies that they're working on in the lab or the ideas that they come up with in the clinic to the market. You know, sometimes the best solution is to put in for a grant and receive more funding and, and pursue an idea that way. Other times it makes sense to go straight to investors. And we wanted to help uh, faculty have both options and find ways to figure out which which strategy is right for them um, and at least kind of know what that process looks like. So, working, teaming up with Nemec really uh, made so much sense and was a great opportunity. Having a partner that's right down in the jewelry district in Providence uh, knows the players and is really close to these key, um, you know, hospital systems and academic institutions. You know, we all know that uh, academic and clinical researchers don't have a lot of time or flexibility in their schedules. So, working with a partner that that is right there and can really cater to their needs and understands. The environment here, I think, is a huge asset and has really proven to be a great opportunity for all involved. Yeah, that's great.
1: And you'll be able to hear from both those um, entrepreneurs um, shortly in this episode of the podcast. Um, But I also wanted to introduce, so after we completed the um, immersion program, um, we learned, me and Gabby worked on a kind of blog post and planning pitch deck tool that um, anyone can access called How to Create a Perfect Pitch Deck to While Investors. We really focused on um, using Nemix investor pitch deck, um, but looking at it more as a planning tool of everything you need to kind of line up in your development planning before you go to investors. So you can um, explore that resource on both of our websites um, under our news tab. It's um, a blog post. But we also learned um, with both entrepreneurs in the going through the program is that a lot of researchers don't really know too much about intellectual property and how to protect their research and protect idea, their ideas. Um, so we also wrote up an IP cheat sheet that you can find on our websites as well to kind of give you like three tips of how to protect your um, technology, how to talk about your technology, and then how to really get that protection um, down the line. So yeah, this um, is your
2: cheat sheet. Before you do anything, read these three three tips. Yeah, Very simple, but could make a big difference.
0: Exactly.
1: So I want to thank you for joining us, Gabby, before we go talk with Sean and Young Won. And um, I wanted to ask you, what was the best way for our listeners to contact you um, about advanced CTR services and support?
2: Yeah, thanks. So we encourage, you know, whether you're an investigator in the state, research staff, an interstate community member, you can go online to our website, advancedctr.org. Uh, you'll find all the information that I talked about and more on our website. Oh, so there's an easy way to request our research services or get started um, participating in any of our events or opportunities. And there's also contact information if you want to reach out to me or one of my team members directly. So advancedctr.org. Thank you very much. Thank you, Danielle. Please meet our next guests, Sean
1: Monahan and Yong-Wan Lee. Sean and Yong-Wan both participated in the planning pitch deck and immersion program that Gabby and myself previously introduced. Both men are working on research that they hope to spin off into medical technologies and startups um, in the near future. So let's start with Sean. Sean, do you want to share a little bit um, with our listeners about your background? I know you mentioned that you are a surgeon who practices part-time and then researchers part-time. Can you tell us about that as well?
3: Yes, I have a, a very unique job where I practice as a trauma and critical care and emergency general surgeon uh, 50% of my time. And then the other 50% of my time, I perform uh, basic science research, where I receive uh, funding from the National Institute of Health to uh, perform that research. <clears throat> um, you know, Just so you know, many physicians do perform research as part of their job. However, because I do basic science research, I'm able to focus two consecutive weeks at a time, which is key for this type of research that I do. And I'm really only able to do this because I have many partners that are also trauma surgeons at the hospital. And we can share responsibilities to care for those patients um, across weeks and months at a time, allowing me that that, uh, time to do the research in a dedicated way.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, What hospital are you at?
3: Uh, I practice uh, primarily at uh, Rhode Island Hospital as it's the state's only level one trauma center, but um, we do sometimes get called over to the Miriam Hospital as well, but most of us focus at Rhode Island Hospital. Very cool.
1: Um, So what is your research focus?
3: So I focus on something called RNA splicing. Uh, This is the step uh, that happens between the DNA becoming RNA and then that RNA being turned into proteins, which is kind of the basis of uh, how our cells work. Um, I like to, and many people have used this analogy before, I like to use the description of RNA splicing as it's like uh, old film editing, um, where parts of a movie are literally cut out and then pasted back together, uh, like you see people doing with tape in the past um rna splicing is something that's interesting because we've known about it for decades but it's really only until recently with uh rna sequencing technology and computers and computer programming that are uh, fast enough and and powerful enough to do this um you know in in the specialty called computational biology where we can study this work um in addition my research is a little unique in that i study rna splicing in sick patients in the intensive care unit whereas a lot of people who look at rna splicing are really focused on really understanding the basics of it, and they do it in cell lines, and, and a lot of people work on it in cancers as well. But um, mine's pretty unique in that we're looking at people who are in the hospital and it's
4: very, very ill.
1: And um, John, do you want to introduce yourself as well?
4: Oh uh, Sure. Um, I completed my postdoc and instructor training at Harvard Medical, and joined the brand four years ago um, as an assistant professor of biomedical engineering. Uh, since then, I've been leading a research lab in the field of like uh, biomedical optics and neuroengineering.
1: And do you want to tell us a little bit about what your research focus is as well?
4: Uh, sure. Um, basically, uh, my lab is studying interaction between light and cells and applying our findings for better imaging of the brain and uh, better uh, modulation of neuronal functions for instance uh, one of our projects focus on a new technique that modulates the function of retinal neurons by using a laser and we are trying to translate this technique into um, novel retinal prosthetics to make blind people see again although it may sound silly. <laughs> that's, that's what I, we are doing.
1: <laughs> that is very cool. And Sean, I forgot to um, ask you too, what what made you um, pursue, pursue a path of entrepreneurship or planning for entrepreneurship and startups around your research?
3: Yeah, so um, Advanced CTR is a program that's funded by the uh, National Institutes of Health here in Rhode Island. And they send out a lot of uh, emails with resources that are available to researchers. And the um, program that we're talking about came through one of those emails. And, you know, I saw it as an opportunity uh, where I could learn more about entrepreneurship. Um, You know, one thing to think about is uh, trying to stay ahead of the game. As I said, my research is using a new technology and applying it to a new patient population. And really, my ultimate goal is that someday my research could better care for the patients I care for. And, you know, one of the ways I think about that happening is through Know a new company or entrepreneurship or getting the information out there to the people who can translate it from what I'm thinking about into something that can be used by clinicians across the country or even the world.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very meaningful and also like great to to plan ahead um, and actually work on those, like creating a business while you're still researching because that process can take so long, especially in the medical field. Um, and young ones, in question to you, what made you pursue a path of entrepreneurship um, and starting a startup around your
4: research? Uh, well, um, yeah, since I started my lab here as a an engineering lab, hmm. I always uh, thinking that not only publishing our findings in academic journals, but also making the discoveries into useful techniques is really important to have uh real world patients mm-hmm. So, for instance publication of the laser technique that modulates the uh, retinal functions it's kind of my critical job as an academic researcher but uh how to develop and deliver really useful technology for blind people out there is very important too to me so mm-hmm. that's why i wanted to learn about the entrepreneurship throughout this program
1: Mm -hmm. Do either of you have, um, background in entrepreneurship at all? I do not.
4: No, no, you don't.
1: No. Um, how, so, uh, I guess the, the immersion program started last summer. Um, and I guess it was really your first taste into, um, entrepreneurship and a startup in the medical field and starting a startup in the medical field. Who were some of the NEMIC staff and advisors you met with? And what was the, um, Best advice you received during the program so far and Sean I'll start with you.
3: Yeah so um, starting last summer I spent a lot of time meeting with uh, Eden and May at NEMIC and uh, meeting with them was very valuable and uh, over the course of our meetings they you know set up meetings with other experts in the field like a colleague of theirs who had a who is an expert on the process to get something FDA approved and then I also spent a lot of time with a patent attorney and I'd say that was probably the best advice uh, was from the patent attorney, which was v- very helpful. Um, like was mentioned earlier, uh, you know, one of our main jobs is to publish and put it in, out in the literature and, and peer, you know, have pe- peers be able to read it and learn from what, we, what we're studying as well. However, this patent attorney talked about not sharing anything that we, um, that we might think would want to be a patent. And it's really not out of fear of someone taking it, but because you might lose the patent protection that you gain if it's already out there.
1: And young one, I'm going to extend the um, question to you as well. Who were some of the um, advisors you met with, and what was some of the advice you received during the program?
4: Yes, I, I also met Aiden and May, and I agree that yeah, they are really helpful. Um, they des- they discussed my project a lot and gave great advice. And they also arranged meetings with several outside advisors, including Lydia for. Uh, overall development roadmap and yeah. and some others uh, for fda regulation and product product development um, the best advice uh, for me was about what are the milestones to achieve in yeah. moving forward from the academic research toward the um, uh, practically useful medical device Mm-hmm. So, I got advice from the perspective of both uh, business development and uh, FDA regulation. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, at NEMIC, through a lot of our own research and how we create our programs, I'm talking to past participants and then people also that have led um, successful medtech startups, We've we've Stumbled upon the phrase and started using the phrase, the unknown unknowns a lot. Um, we find that through our research, the unknowns unknowns that come up is what we end up usually teaching a lot of the people and participants in our programs. Um, because learning from others of things they don't know, it's better to talk about that um, to then educate others on their entrepreneurial journey. What were some of your guys's unknown unknowns that you Came upon and maybe learned about um, through this program. And Sean, I'll start with
3: you. Um, you know, I think uh, at first, you know that that phrase maybe have a little bit of a negative connotation. However, I think um, it's probably the best thing that I learned. Um, you know, what you don't know is is actually okay. And um, you know, when you think about starting a company, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that you think you might have to do and could be very overwhelming. But I think one of the best things I learned from this program is that there's someone out there who's done it before and they're willing to help. And there's a huge resource and community, even in Rhode Island, to help with that. And it's really just a matter of making sure that, you know, who to ask, you know, who to trust. And, and um, you know, I, I think trying to get beyond the point that, oh, my gosh, I have so much to do, but there's actually lots of people out there to help. was, was mm-hmm. very, was very beneficial. Mm-hmm.
1: And young one.
4: Yeah, it's, it's very similar to me. Um, uh, before I started this program, I didn't know that there are many entities who can have entrepreneurs in the medical device area, um, like a contract manufacturing organizations for such highly regulated device build, uh, or even third-party consultants who can help with the uh, FDA regulation processes from the beginning
1: hmm: So, what
4: are you guys most
1: um, looking forward to on your entrepreneurial journey you're embarking on from now forward??
3: Um, I think for me is um, really potentially taking something that I'm sitting in the lab, um, really refining it and really understanding it to the point where we can translate it into a, a technology or a product that can actually improve the care of patients. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think, uh, despite all we know in medicine, there's still a lot that we don't know And as technology gets better, computers get better. Um, I think we're going to really be able to change the way we care for patients and improve their outcomes, um, in a way that has never been seen before. And and I think, Mm -hmm. um, you know, even in this time, there's lots of resources available to study, uh, COVID-19 and, and people are really pushing to do that. And I think that's, what's very exciting about this, this journey
1: and young
4: one uh yes the uh, as i said the uh, the i throughout this program i could make the uh, milestones very clear mm-hmm. uh what i have to achieve to translate this technique to the market and fortunately uh last year i got fund about two million from nih for this specific project uh, mainly for basic research but i uh, i was able to uh, polish the uh, research plan uh, from the perspective of fda regulation mm-hmm. uh, uh, throughout this program so i really look forward to uh, make a progress uh in this the uh pre-clinical research and then i uh, will be uh, committing to make a make a more detailed business plan Mm -hmm. to uh, translate the uh pre-clinically approved and 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 potential clinically approved technique into the market
1: It's really enlightening to talk to you both because I personally don't get to talk to too many like very early stage entrepreneurs or people in the research phase. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually a lot of the people we see coming in, um, they've already kind of started that business entity around the technology or they have the technology. So um, it's it's very enlightening hearing about it at the, the very early stages when we're still researching what these technologies even may look like and do. So I would love to ask you like, what's the one of the harder things that you see that that's happening now on the horizon that you're encountering as an early stage entrepreneur. Uh, I,
3: I guess I'll start. So mm-hmm. um, for me, it's, it's really the balance. Um, you know, I have a, a pretty full-time job as a physician mm-hmm. and, a, and as a researcher, both are jobs that most people would have one of not both. And then adding an entrepreneur, you know, really starts straining some of my time. Mm-hmm. but i think one of the things i've learned is that um you know you can you can kind of do it all at the same time um with some good organization and and as been mentioned some good milestones and um you know i think sometimes <laughs> the only difference is uh between the research for say getting grants from the nih and and doing the research to get funding from you know say early stage investors is that they might just have different uh, ideas and concepts about what you need, but at, at the end of the day, it's all going to tell the same story. Um, mm-hmm. So really, just trying to balance uh, pushing forward the science, pushing forward my career as a physician taking care of patients, and then also pushing forward um, you mm-hmm. know the technology so that it could could become a product someday.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's really great to hear. And since this was the first year of us putting on this program and working with them um, researchers. Um, it's great to know that there is a way, if you're more organized enough to be able to kind of work on all these things in one streamlined process and be able to hit all the milestones in all your paths. Um, and Youngwon, do you have anything to say to that as well?
4: Oh, yes. I, I basically agree with Sean. Um, so when I started this program, I expect, I expressed a concern that maybe my stage is too early for this mm-hmm. program um but of course it's it's still too early for making the uh pitch deck right away for investors uh but it was really really helpful um for me to look back all of doing all of research doing in my lab uh from the perspective of the um, product development so before this program um i only thought like uh Uh, hey, this data will be very cool for publication. This data will be very uh, good uh, to make a new knowledge like that. Uh, But now I I shift the gear in uh, leading my lab toward the, uh, hey, this this data is really, really required for FDA regulation, FDA approval like that. Uh, This is really essential data for proving safety and efficacy of our technique. So in term, such a um, perspective shift is really really helpful and exciting, but but I've not been trained uh, in, in in such directions. So mm-hmm. so there can be some challenges I don't expect, and I need to study a lot like the ISO standards uh, in, in in the field of my technique. Uh, but I really look forward to to go through those uh, challenges. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, um, with most entrepreneurs I have on the podcast, um, I tell them you never know who's listening. So, I always like to ask the question of like what what's your next steps or what are something like you need right now.
3: And Jean, um, start with you. Yeah. So right now, uh, I mean, I I have to say like even though the program ended. Uh, mm-hmm all the resources at NEMEC are still available and I still utilize them. I I still am meeting with, um, Aiden and May every so often. And, um, I think, I think, you know, what I'm doing now is I'm really trying to get advice on what, you know, people think I should do the next step is. And for me right now, everyone's saying is to focus on the science. And, Mm -hmm. and then once I, you know, feel like that all those criteria are met, that's when I might start, um, thinking about a business plan or, or the next steps in, in, in developing the, the business side of it.
1: And young one?
4: Yes, uh, I think I'm, I'm in a similar stage to Sean. So I, uh, uh, the immediate next step is to prove the uh, efficacy of our approach in research animals. So I should show that uh, our laser device Can make the uh, blind model animals see again first, Mm -hmm. uh, and then approve the uh, prove that uh, such approach is uh, safe in animals. So to obtain these uh, preclinical data, uh, we are doing many experiments in my lab uh, under the support of NIH, and I believe that these data will be very critical to initiate the uh, clinical trials in human and uh, propose yeah, a clinical study uh, working with the FDA.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to ask what you guys have been up to since the immersion program ended, but that last question pretty much answered it. I know, Youngwon, you've um, joined some of our other programs like the business plan preparation course and the medtech education course as well. Um, are those programs helping you move the the needle in your startup planning as well
4: oh so sorry sorry what's the last question again
1: yeah so um i was just going to ask what you guys have been up to you as you pr- pretty much already answered it but um i just wanted to ask you a little bit about your time in some of our other programs um the business plan preparation course with um may and Aiden, and then our medtech education program And just see how the like check in and see how those are working for you. If those are kind of bringing in other aspects of learning or education for um, as you're working on your startup.
4: Sure. Um. So the uh, MedTech education program is basically much more detailed. As you know, the uh, Mm. uh, it has uh, many classes and workshops. I think it's more than twenty classes and workshops.
1: Yeah, I think it's around (laughs) twenty-four.
4: Yes, and uh, every class uh, brings the um, uh, expert from the outside and we learn and discuss uh, very deeply. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, as I said, yeah, from throughout this, the um, uh, plan uh, immersion program, I made uh, some kind of milestones, list of milestones, mm-hmm. uh, what to achieve to bring the technique to the market. But through the uh, the um, uh, education course, uh, I mean, actually, the every class correspond to the one specific milestone in my list. So I could add more details about kind of uh, action plans or tasks that I have to do uh, for each milestone, from hmm. the uh, regulation, uh, the uh, business development, and patent. Um, and even even how to structure their company.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's great to hear. Um, Sean, I was gonna ask you, what would your advice um, be for researchers in your position looking to start a company?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the advice I'd give is similar to the advice that the patent attorney gave me was um, don't share your ideas too early on in papers. Mm-hmm. um, you know you really wanna again it's not to you're afraid someone's gonna compete with you, but more protection that the pen uh you know gets you um so you know try to plan your experiments, plan your uh data, plan your presentations and things like that in a way that you can file for patent protection and also uh write the papers and and publish them you know quickly as
4: well
1: mm-hmm. and young ones, do you have any advice?
4: Oh yes, yeah, it's, it's the uh so i i believe that many researchers are similar position or or have similar concerns like me that uh, their research stage is too early to think about uh, product development Uh, but i would advise uh, please just go ahead and learn (laughs) these type of things Uh, because um, actually the as i said uh, these perspectives make I think make them to look back their research plan, and their uh, even experiment detailed plan, uh, to see how their uh, research fit with the future um, regulation data. So uh, it, it's really helpful, not only for future product development, but also the research that we are doing right now. Uh, so that's my advice and i heard that nsf has a similar program called i-corps mm-hmm. for um, professors in the research universities but i heard that the uh, initial program more focused on something called customer discovery yes to uh, to figure out whether or not their research based technology will be really useful in the real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's really important, of course. But I think, uh, as I said, it's 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 more. Uh, it's, it is also very helpful to um, reshape their research itself for uh, making um, their technique toward the market. Uh,
1: okay. Yeah, yeah. And if um you didn't catch a, um, what young once said, that program is called the ICOR. Program um, and I'm pretty sure it's put on by um, multiple organizations, but held at URI each year. And it's for it's perfect for researchers looking to see who their customers might be and who their users might be um, in whatever technology they're thinking of creating. So that's a great resource. Um, So I just want to say that's the end of my questions, and I want to say thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode of MedTech Monday. for anyone listening and that wants to maybe get in contact with you, Sean, what's the best way to do so?
3: Um, I think the best way to do so is to uh, uh, email me. Um, I guess the uh, best one is Sean, S E A N underscore Monahan, M O N E G H A N at Brown.edu. Or there's a great resource at Brown uh, called Vivo, V I V O uh, where you can actually look up any researcher at Brown who has a page and uh, contact people through that resource as well. Great. Right.
1: And young one?
4: Oh uh, yes. The uh, my lab has a webpage on the brown. So uh the address is brown.edu slash leelab L-E-E-L-A-B. And you can find my email address there, uh what we are doing, our uh, previous kind of publications. So yeah, the email is the best contact for me mm-hmm. as well. All right.
1: Well, great. Um, I actually have one more question, just out of curiosity, young one. How many people work in your lab?
4: Well, currently my lab has uh about thirty members, including undergraduate researchers. So, mm-hmm. uh, one postdoc, uh, five PhD students, uh, about ten master's students, and more several uh, undergraduate students.
1: Mhm, well, that's great. And are they all working on um making the blind see again?
4: Uh, some of them, uh, we, we have a few more different projects going on. Mm -hmm. So yeah, some of them working on this specific project and the others are working on, um, more about imaging projects.
0: Thanks again for listening. And if you have any issues uh, with our sound quality, please let me know. I'd like to know if anyone understands how to get cell phones to sound a little bit better. Uh, we're doing our best and we'll continue to test. As always, I'm available at Tom at the Road Pod.